It was a night like any other in Noir City. Neon lights reflecting in puddles of acid rain cast a haunting glow over the labyrinthian streets running between the hulking high-rises, monuments to the late-stage capitalist dystopia we call home. It's no place for the meek or naive. This town was built on the graves of broken spirits and shattered dreams. Around here, there's only two types of people, takers and losers. As for me, well, I sure as shucks ain't a loser. The name's Tective. Richard Tective. But my friends call me Dick. And my enemies? Actually, they also call me Dick. When I'm not monologuing, I'm usually at my main hustle, solving murders with the NCPD Homicide Division. Sure, might not be the most glorious profession, but it pays the bills and gives me an excuse to get out of bed every afternoon. In this job, you see a lot of things that can't be unseen. It's enough to numb your soul. You can close your eyes and try to forget what horrors mankind is capable of. Murder, arson, pyramid schemes. But the memories, they stay with you. No matter what you do, those moments stick to your brain like coffee stains and glitter. Seriously? Rain? Now? How am I supposed to be broody and introspective under these conditions? I guess this is what I get for recording this whole thing outdoors. Let's just power through, shall we? Now, where was I? Ah, yes. Coffee stains and glitter. All these years working the force in Noir City is enough to collect a lot of mind glitter. But no memory will ever be more unforgettable, more unforgiving, more glittery than the time I almost lost it all over a dame. A dame by the name of Dee Dee Dardar. I was just coming off another 30-hour shift with Noir City's Finest when I heard the call for all available units to report to the address on Rich Street. But somehow, the news crews had me beat. The paparazzi were like cats in heat. I knew I'd need to be discreet with the deets. Excuse me, excuse me, detective. Can I have a word? Sure. How's this? Heliacal. Relating to or near the sun. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. Detective, Gabby Barker of Exposition News. Isn't it true that this is the apartment complex of young socialite and movie star Barbara Stair, who recently moved here from Bel Air after her father, airline mogul Larry Stair, passed away, leaving all his shares in Sinclair Air to Miss Stair, his only heir? Is Miss Stair still up there? Anything you care to share? Hey, leave the gratuitous details to my internal monologue, would ya? I have no further comment. Officer, get these people behind the barricade. If anyone tries to cross it, give them a ticket. To the upcoming police karaoke fundraiser. That ought to teach them to stop being curious. Detective Tective, NCPD, what have we got here? Uh, hello? Oh, snap. Were you talking to me? Of course. Who else would I be talking to? Sorry, sir. As you can clearly see from looking around our well-furnished surroundings, we are not alone here. There are several other people currently searching for clues in this luxury uptown apartment. Four crime scene techs, including myself, taking pictures and collecting samples. Three uniformed officers, a tabby cat on the piano near the bookshelf full of literary classics, first editions mostly, all hardcovers. An empty space on the wall in the den indicating a painting has been recently moved. And at the base of the stairs, the body of the young victim, Miss Barbara Stair. Cut the narrative flourishes and shoot straight with me. 
What happened here? Well, heck, I think figuring that out is supposed to be your job, Detective... Detective. Richard Tective. Homicide. Your name is Richard Tective? Call me Dick. Well, Dick, let me be frank. We have no idea who's responsible. No signs of forced entry. Insurance logs report the missing painting as an original Tito MacGuffin. Find that, and you'll find the perpetrator. Anything else? Two glasses of wine on the coffee table. I think Miss Stair knew her killer. Great work, kid. Bag it and tag it. The coffee table? You never know what clue might break the camel's back. Take it from me, a hard-boiled detective with more street time than the entire Fast and Furious saga. You need a keen eye and lots of patience to find the murderer. The secret of the staircase could be hidden in the most infinitesimal fiber of the most innocuous minutia. No article is too insipid or property too jejun to overpass. It may take days, eons, epochs, expanses. Oh, I found something tucked away inside this here thesaurus. What is it? It's a reference book that offers synonyms for dull words, but that's not important right now. I just found my first lead. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to catch a murderer. I drove as fast as the V8 engine under the hood of my 1969 Dodge Prius could take me, speeding through red lights and crosswalks. I was a man on a mission. I'd found the calling card of a local dirtbag in Stairs home. Looked like she'd been using it as a bookmark while reading her thesaurus. The number on the back was written in pen with a personal note saying, Call me. The name printed on the front said, Solomon Sockeye. Everyone in the criminal underworld knew that Sockeye was a fencer. We had him tagged as a person of interest in countless robberies, forgeries, and illegal loitering all over North City. But we could never get anything to stick. The guy was slippery as a clam. But every criminal genius has a weakness. And Sockeye's weakness was me. I went to see him at his local haunt, the Gentleman's Jousting Club, where the nights are long, the dancer's skirts are short, and the repartee is as sharp as the blades. Which is to say, it's dull. Very dull. I'm looking for Sockeye. Excusez-moi, monsieur. This establishment is for members only, and you do not look like a fencer to me. And you don't look like a guy who wants to get punched in the face. So tell me, which one of us is wrong? It's okay, Jenkins. He's with me. Very good, sir. Sockeye. My old nemesis. Dick. What's this about this time? Barbara Stare. You mean Babs? What happened? she in trouble? You could say that. She's dead. Now, what can you tell me about her? I've never heard of her before in my life. Can I get you a drink? I think you're lying. And no, I'm trying to cut back on how much alcohol I consume on the job. Well, this is an establishment with rules. If you're not drinking, then you're fencing. So what'll it be? Whiskey? Epe? Bourbon? Saber? Fine. I'll take the foil. An excellent choice, sir. A fan of the classics. You always were the old-fashioned type. On guard. Barbara Stare, by all accounts, didn't have a care in the world. And now she's dead. Evidence points to foul play. Also, there was a painting missing from the wall in her den. Ah, uh, yes. The MacGuffin. Nice form, detective. Thanks. I was top of my fencing class at the police academy. How'd you know about the MacGuffin? She brought it to me last week, wanting to offload it for some quick cash. She may have been wealthy, but all of her assets were tied up in stocks and savings. She needed liquid finance in a hurry. Excellent parry. And a fine riposte. I thought you said you didn't know the victim. I don't. Or at least, I never did. She was the kind of girl who kept her cards close and her enemies closer, if you know what I mean. I don't. 
but I'd be happy to bring you down to the station so you can explain it to me. Sorry, Dick. This feels a lot like harassment. Then file a complaint. But know this. My boss has my back. Uh, Sorry. Let me take this. Oh, speak of the devil. Hello, Chief. Oh. Oh, you say you've just received a complaint from Solomon Sockeye? Dang, that was fast. How did he even... No, no, sir, I wasn't harassing him. I was simply questioning... No, I didn't have a warrant, but... No, all you need in Noir City is your gut and your grit. Oh, okay, you're saying I need an actual warrant. Chain of evidence? Yeah, okay, well... Yeah, yes, sir. Lawsuit? But I... Civil liberties? Oh, come on. How am I supposed to... Okay, fine. I'll leave and come back to the station. Who was it? Wrong number. Listen, I'm going to let you off with a warning this time. But if I find out you had anything to do with Barbara Stair's murder, I'm going to be real mad at you. You're unhinged, detective. We're on the same side this time around. Babs is a friend of mine, and I want to see her killer brought to justice. So let me point your investigation in the right direction. You know Dr. Dardar from Our Lady of Perpetual Motion Hospital in Car Wash? Dr. Duncan Dardar? The very same. As far as remedies go, a visit to Dardar was a lot more effective than my usual. Two shots of whiskey chased with a raspberry white claw. Dardar had patched me up after more than one scrap at the bar. He was the one who dug the slug out of my chest when I got plugged by a street thug slinging drugs. That banger got the jump on me, but I was a lot younger back then. Slower. Trusting. Grr. Nowadays, I kept my eyes open and my trigger finger itchy. Yeah, I know Dardar. What about him? I caught a peek at Bab's schedule book while I was over. She had a girls' night planned with Duncan Dardar's kid for earlier tonight. You two should have a chat. Dr. Dardar had a daughter? Indeed. Dee Dee Dardar. You'll probably find her at the caviar bar. Thanks for the tip. Now here's one for you. Excellently done. Perhaps we should do this again sometime with something a little bit sharper. Don't let me catch you bringing a sword to a gunfight. My next stop was back at the station to see the boss, Chief Jameson Justice. He was the real deal, as real as they come. He lost his eyesight in the Build-A-Bear explosion taken down the Biscotti crime family, way back when all the new recruits were still in diapers. That was a weird time for the station's dress code, but I digress. Justice made a lot of enemies that day, and all he got for his troubles was desk duty. But he never looked back. He wouldn't, even if he could. You wanted to see me, sir? Since the moment I met you, but I'll settle for hearing right now. Close the door. Have a seat. What's on your mind, Chief? I expect this to be a brief case. You mean that wrapped present over there on your desk? Yeah. My wife told me not to open it before my birthday, but she knows I need something to carry around all of my important documents in. Anyway, let's talk about the stair woman's death. I expect this to be a brief case. What makes you say that? I know the media wants to make a big deal out of it. As they say, sensationalism sells. Sure, but this is as open and shut a case as it gets. Coroner's already made a ruling. The death was an accident. What? An accident! Barbara Stair fell down her stairs. I think it's fair to say this kind of affair is rare, but there's no reason to throw scares everywhere. Giving good folks nightmares, Stair will be in our thoughts and prayers. I wanted to share the news with you before we released a statement. Chief, look. If only. There's something more to this case. I can feel it. Sorry, Dick. 
I got Mayor O'Hare breathing down my neck telling me to wrap things up, and I can't have my best detective investigating any leads he may have found while on official duty. The mayor? Why does Mayor O'Hare care about Barbara Stare? I couldn't tell you. All I know is that he's been acting strangely ever since Exposition News started looking into his laundromat empire. Now why don't you take the rest of the night off? You got it, boss. Justice may be blind, but he ain't deaf. He knew something didn't smell right. He could feel it in his bones, just like I could. The truth was so close I could almost taste it. But first, there was someone I needed to see. Dee Dee Dardar. The Caviar Bar was by far the fanciest place in all of Noir. Local hotspot for everyone from film stars to oil czars, where the cocktails come in mason jars and the cigars are always on par. I flashed a badge to get past the bouncer. I flashed a 20 to the bartender to find out what I needed to know. He hadn't seen Dee Dee all night, but if I wanted to find her, I should check out her pad. She lived on Pie Avenue, somewhere between 3rd and 4th Street. Hers was the building with all the locks on the front door. If I wanted to get inside, I'd need more than a badge and cash. Fortunately, I know how to turn on the charm when I need to. I wasn't expecting any company this late at night. Are you lost? Dee Dee Dardar? Who's asking? The name's Dick. Dick Detective. Detective Dick Detective. I wanted to ask you a few questions about your friend, Barbara Stare. Come right up. Walk slowly, though. I need to put on some clothes. That was easy. Hello, Detective. This sure is a nice place. Do you live here all by yourself? It's nothing special. The bottom floor here is my art studio, but my living quarters are the top 17 floors. Sounds like business is good. What kind of art are you into, Mrs. Dardar? It's Ms. I create luxury NFTs, and please call me Dee Dee. Would you care for some wine? Dee Dee, thank you, no thanks. I'm trying to cut down on my on-the-job drinking. Oh, I didn't realize you were on the job right now. Actually, now that you mention it, I'm not. Two glasses of wine, then. It's a 1969 bottle of Sauvignon Merde from the Capri Sun region of France. My favorite. So, Barbara Stare, millionaire actress extraordinaire, what can I tell you? You can start with why you went to see her today. Babs and I were friends. She wanted my artistic opinion on some art she inherited from her father's estate. Art like the MacGuffin? Mmm, nothing seduces me quite like a gritty, hard-boiled man who knows his artist. Color me impressed. Say, I know this is gonna sound like a line, but do we know each other? I could swear I've seen you somewhere before. Did you ever hang out at your father's hospital by any chance? I'm in there often enough to fill out a punch card every month. As a matter of fact, I do visit Daddy Dardar whenever I can. The entire staff of Our Lady of Perpetual Motion and Car Wash know me by name. We're a family who will do anything for each other. Do you have a family, detective? I'm married to the job. No one, detective? Nobody to kiss you after a long day on the job? Nobody to miss you if you were to die tonight? That is such an awful, tragic turn-off. Forgive me, I should take this. Hello? 
Detective, it's Frank. Who? Frank Quitely, the crime scene tech from the first act. Oh, right, right. You didn't remember my name. No, no, I totally... What's up, Frank? You're right. What you said about the details? Coroner Crowley at OLOPMNCW said the death was an accident, but I kept investigating anyway. It turns out Barbara Stair didn't just fall down the stairs. You're saying you have proof she was pushed? No, detective. The blood screen came back. Miss Stair fell because she had been poisoned. So Stair's killer's still out there somewhere. Quite frankly, that's some of the best detectiving I've ever seen, Frank Quitely. Keep this on the DL for now, though. We have no idea who we can trust. Will do. Goodbye, Dad. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not your dad. Oh, sorry. I just... Uh, no, 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 it's fine. You don't have to... to... I, I think it's just that I crave approval from strong male figures. Right. Got it. It's not that I have some kind of regressive hang-up over childhood traumas. No, no, it's it's cool. There's no need for an explanation. But maybe you and I can go fishing sometime? I'm hanging up now. Who was it? Telemarketer. Now, where were we? Oh, yes, the, uh... Huh. Oh, this is strange. What, what was I saying? Sounded like someone from the crime lab. I think you said his name was... Frank Quietly? Suddenly, the world started spinning. I'd always been considered an advanced drinker by common standards. Or an alcoholic, if you ask my doctor, ex-wife, pastor, friends, or family. But this wine was hitting me like a bucket of tequila at a quinceañera. And did I hear you tell him not to share this information with anyone else? Good. Shouldn't be too hard to snip off a couple of loose ends. That's the moment when it all came together. Oh, Babs and I were friends. She was the kind of girl who kept her cards close and her enemies closer. We have no idea who we can trust. Nobody to miss you if you were to die tonight. Coroner Crowley of the OLOPMNCW. The entire staff of Our Lady of Perpetual Motion and Car Wash know me by name. Two glasses of wine on the coffee table. Would you care for some wine? Crap. Wake up, detective. Where am I? You're in my art studio. No, don't struggle. Those metal shackles around your wrists have you securely trapped, dangling a few inches off the ground. Wait a second. I remember that heavy-handed over-explaining. You're Gabby Barker of Exposition News. One of my many personas. Of course. It all makes sense now. You knew everything there was to know about Barbara Stare from your job as an investigative reporter. Stare had to fence one of her priceless works because she was paying you off after you blackmailed her. Let's just say I found some questionable holes in her alibi for her father's death that she would prefer not to be made public. But why kill her? Exposition News is running my expose on her tomorrow. Once exposed, she'd have no extra reason to extend our agreement. And as I'm sure you know, extortion is illegal. So you get the money, you're first on scene for the big scoop, and you've got a damning story ready to run right as the other networks release their puff pieces and memorials. It's devious. <laughs> What can I say? I love being naughty. Of course. You've been doing this for a while, haven't you? Collecting dirt on the rich and dirty. 
You were the one investigating the mayor's laundering facility by the financial district, and you've been using that leverage to steer investigations away from you. Tell me, what's the blackmail you got on him? Oh, it's exactly what you'd expect. You don't mean... Yes, the mayor listens to Nickelback. My god. Well, this chat has been ever so lovely, but now it's your turn to tell secrets. Who else knows you're here? My boss, my informant, the fire marshal, Greg from accounting, Aunt Zelda and her three chihuahuas. Let's see, who else? Uh, the waiter from the diner down the street, the pope. <laughs> Just as I suspected. Nobody knows you're here but me and Frank, the soon-to-be-deceased crime tech. That's where you're wrong, honey. You see, I learned my lesson last time I got shot. Life is full of surprises. The best offense is a good defense. Which is why I started carrying a life alert bracelet everywhere I go. If I have an unexpected fall, it sends a GPS alert to my emergency contact. Who in this case is Louie the Lone Shark. And Louie would never let me die before I paid back that sketchy short-term loan at 500% compounding APR. Sorry, toots. You're busted. Louie, you made it! And I see you brought your entire crew and a bunch of guns. Wonderful. Well played, Detective. It looks like I'll be going away for a while. Will you visit me? Sorry, babe. You may be as beautiful as you are gorgeous, but you're bad news. I'm not bad. I'm just ridden this way. Well, Dick, it looks like you did it again. Another bad guy behind bars. The corrupt coroner has been picked up by the boys in blue, and I saved a lot of money on my car insurance by switching to Geico. Today's a good day for the good guys. Yeah, you're right. But something about this case was different. Something's gonna stick in my soul for a long time. I just don't understand what can bring a human being to do something like this, to live this secret double life like it's no big deal. You mean... Yeah. How could we have never realized that the mayor of Noir City was a Nickelback fan? Richard, get out of my office. You know what they call a group of crows? In Noir City, we call it pretty freaking ominous. Get out of here, you dang birds. I'd been working the long hours ever since my now infamous investigation into the untimely death of Barbara Stair. I had no idea at the time where that staircase would lead, but I pulled the string until the whole house of cards came unglued. The mayor of Noir City was forced to resign after I uncovered his dirty little secret, and his deputy mayor, a man named Matt Maynard, took over. I knew Mayor Maynard may or may not care that I was directly indirectly responsible for his predecessor's PR problems and premature departure from politics, but just to be safe I decided to keep a low profile. I'd been walking on tiptoes, on eggshells, on pins and needles, on thin ice, trying not to rock the boat, but trouble was like a clingy ex with too much time on their hands. No matter where I go. It always seems to follow me. 
It was a night just like any other when I caught the call to Central Park. Time ticked forward, people went about their daily lives, oblivious to the horrors lurking beneath the quilted duvet covers of society. The sun hung ever-present in the sky, baking us all like human pop-tarts. Oh, wait, it wasn't night at all. It was day, and it wasn't a day just like any other, because this day was full of murder. Bird murder. Birder. Detective Richard Tective, NCPD, what do we have here? Good morning, Detective. I thought you were working the night shift. I'm pulling overtime. I was about to clock out when I heard about a body in the park. How am I supposed to get any sleep when there might be a killer in my city? Well, it's good to see you again. Sorry, it's been a long night. Do I know you? I'm Frank. He sure was. The guy wouldn't even tell me his name. No matter. We had more pressing issues. Like the body of the murder victim on the ground in front of us. Or at least, what was left of it. Looked like someone, or something, had picked the bones clean. What happened here? We're still trying to piece it together, it being the skeletal remains. As I'm sure you know, there are 206 bones in the human body, not counting teeth. Of course, I'm a detective. It's my job to know these things. So far, we're up to 114. What could have scattered all the bits like this? Explosion? Lawnmower accident? Please tell me this isn't another outbreak of dance fever. Dance fever antigen tests came back negative. Judging from the beak marks on these bones, I'd say the body was torn to pieces by some sort of avian creature, likely Corvid. Either one bird bit the victim a few thousand times, or thousands of birds bit the victim a few times each, or somewhere in between, but birds don't bite people. They don't murder either, and they certainly don't peck a random person to death. This was a crime of passion, and mark my words, I will find the pecker responsible. I'll bet crime solving works up quite a bit in appetite, huh? Here, have some buffalo wings. Excuse me? Who are you? The name's Saul Slaughter, owner and sole employee of Slaughter's Butcher Shop. If you got a hanker for me, Slaughter's can't be beat. How did you get past the police tape? It wasn't hard. I just ducked right under it. You look famished. Here, take this turkey leg. The only thing I'm hungry for is justice. Now explain what you're doing at my crime scene, Saul. Oh, that's our fault. We hired Saul to cater the investigation. The CSI saw all these bones and we started craving barbecue. Say, Frank, would you care for one of my signature Slaughter sloppy sandwiches? Do we really need to be taking a working lunch? Hey, killers don't take a lunch break. We can't afford to either. Oh, this sloppy sandwich is amazing. You didn't even wash your hands. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. Uh, we found the victim's cell phone. It's locked with a six-digit alphanumeric pin code. We'll send it to the lab, but it might take some time to crack it. Here, let me see. Hmm, six digits, letters, and numbers. That's... 36 to the 6th power, 2,176,782,336 valid combinations. All right, let's get started. Why don't we try 000000? Okay, invalid pin. 000001. Invalid pin. That's what I was afraid of. How about 000002? Oh, that was it. Ha, talk about luck. Okay, so according to the call history, the last number our victim contacted belongs to the local office of morphometric ornithology. The last number belongs to what? I just said that part. The Office of Morphometric Ornithology. Are your ears okay? Do I need to call an audiologist? Uh... According to his Tinder profile, our victim is one Daryl Deadman. Dr. Daryl Deadman. Six foot, one inch. Professional bird scientist. Pisces. No hookups, please. Open to the idea of a long-term relationship if he finds the right one. Well, that's not gonna happen, Daryl, with three pics in your profile of you posing with the fish you caught. Also, he's dead. You really are Frank, aren't you? 
Listen, I'm gonna head over to the Office of Ornithological Research and see if I can find any information on Dr. Deadman. You contact his next of kin. I'd do it myself, but it's really sad and I don't wanna. Oh, and remember, Ixnay on the Erder Bay. The last thing we need is a public freakout or some kind of corvid cold war. I understand. Historically, humans have lost every single war they've waged against bird kind. What should I tell his family? Tell them he died doing what he loved. Bird stuff. I could feel a surge of adrenaline in my bloodstream. I was on the hunt once again, but the hours were catching up with me and I needed some go juice. The swill they called coffee down at the station wasn't going to cut it. So I stopped by my usual all-service recaffeination joint, the Chop and Grind, the best cafe slash barbershop in all of Noir City. I dropped in for the Dick Detective Special, a hot coffee and a close shave. Lucky for me, it was a quiet morning. I was the only customer there, and my favorite barbarista, Teresa, looked happy to see me. I had a blade against my neck when Big Trouble walked in. Big guys with big muscles. I'd seen their type plenty of times before. I call them pandas. They look scary, but wouldn't be too hard to take one out if Bush came to shove. Still, I couldn't help but notice that these pandas were packing heat. They may have been smiling, but the guns on their hips were telling anybody who'd listened that they meant business. And like Shakira used to say, the hips don't lie. You boys here for a cut or a cup? Either way, you'll need to get in line. When the boss walked in, the two goons parted like it was 1999. I'm afraid we're not here for the patronage, Mr. Detective. We're here for you. Teresa, would you be so kind as to give me a moment alone with these guests? Nope, don't say anything. If you do, we'll have to hire a whole nother voice actor. Why don't you go pick out a bottle of good vintage coffee from down in the coffee cellar? Thanks a million. I didn't wake up yesterday looking for trouble, but whenever trouble sends me an invite, I always RSVP. Plus one? Say hello to my little friend. I call him Gunther. Your reputation precedes you, detective. Put your weapon away, or the sniper I have stationed on the roof of the building across the street might start to get nervous. Ha! I could smell your sniper coming from a mile away. That's why I hired my own sniper, who is currently on the roof of the slightly larger building behind your sniper. Hmm. Very clever. Except for one thing. I don't really have a sniper. I was bluffing. How hilarious. So was I. Aha! I was only bluffing about bluffing. I really do have a sniper. Dang. Alright, you got me. I'll put Gunther away, for now. But know this. If you kill me, I'll haunt you so hard you'll wish you were dead. But then, when you do actually die, I'll be waiting for you on the other side. With Gunther. Uh, noted. Now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, let's move on to introductions. These men are my hired muscles. Goon 1 and Goon 2. The sniper across the street is Bob. And I'm... I know who you are. I read the papers. You're BT Dubs, local billionaire and captain of industry. Your businesses include casinos, coal, cryptocurrency, and soda pop. Your dirty fingers are in more dirty pies than a Fractal Jack Horner. <laughs> Fractal Jack was my nickname in college. What's a tycoon like you doing in a place like this? I need your help, Dick. We tried your apartment first, but your landlord said you were evicted. My landlord's a liar. Financial trouble. Weight gain. Political pressure from a corrupt mayor. Weight gain? I think we may be able to help one another. 
My double-decker limo copter is parked right outside. Come with me, and I'll explain everything on the way to my yacht mansion. And don't worry, we'll pay for your shave. Goon one, leave some cash. A couple thousand to cover it, right? Uh, yeah, that'll probably suffice. But I'm still covered in shaving cream. Don't worry, there's a shower in the limo copter. As much as I hated to admit it, BT was right about one thing. When it came to housing, I was in one dilly of a pickle. I'm not one to feel sorry for myself, but when you lose your home because the new mayor offers your landlord triple the rent for your apartment so he can use it for campaign sign storage, it's kind of hard not to take that personally. But what BT couldn't see was that, to me, being down and out was my bread and butter. I didn't need his help. I'm like a cat. I always land on my feet, and I rarely trust people. Still, my mother always taught me to never turn down a free shower. <clears throat> I want to offer you a job, Miss Detective. It's about my son, Paul, who so tragically passed away a couple of weeks ago. Sorry for your loss. Could you pass me the soap? Uh, here you go. In exchange for your help, I might be able to make your Mayor Maynard mess be no more. I have a lot of pull in this town. I read the rags. I know what happened to your son. But Paul's death wasn't a murder. He died of natural causes. Crushed under a piano on a cruise ship in the Bermuda Triangle. Everybody knows these things happen. Shampoo? Right above you. It's not his death I want you to investigate. Someone stole his corpse. Dug it up the day after his funeral. I want you to find out who did this. I've already looked into the matter, and I've learned that someone had been stealing bodies from the graveyard for some time now, but nobody can identify the culprit. They say the man wears a suit of armor, and he only ever appears after dark. The locals are calling him the Night Knight. I'm sorry, BT, but I'm on a case right now, and as we all know, police are only allowed to follow one case at a time. I can't be looking around the crypt for your cryptic cryptid and do my day job. Hand me that rubber ducky. Mm, here you are. I understand your hesitance to take on such a job all by yourself, which is why I've hired another private investigator to lighten the burden. Say hello to your partner. Hello, detective. What? Dee Dee Dardar? I thought you were behind bars. No, I'm not Dee Dee. I'm her sister, Cece Skarsgård. Dr. Dardar had another identical daughter? Indeed. I'll leave the two of you alone in this shower to get more acquainted. Excuse me, Cece. My eyes are up here. Sorry, I couldn't stop staring at your half-shaven face. Did you mean for it to look that way? Got interrupted by your boss mid-shave. Hand me a towel, would ya? I wouldn't want to make Mr. Skarsgård jealous. Oh, he won't be. Mr. Skarsgård was murdered by an unknown assailant while I was away at the annual alibi convention. I have gas and hotel receipts to prove it. Here's your towel. Thanks. So sorry for your loss. I don't know what I'm going to do. With my husband gone, I'm all alone in this world with nothing but my generous insurance payout to keep me warm. Hmm, it's too bad there isn't a big, strong, half-shaven man out there to come and sweep me off my feet and take me away from this dreadfully boring life of hunting down grave robbers for billionaires. I'm sure you'll find love, Cece. There's someone out there for everyone. Oh, really? Is there someone out there for you? 
Cut the cutesy act, Cupcake. If we're gonna work together, we need to ignore this obvious animalistic attraction between us. Oh good, you've decided to work with us. Such great news. I'm sorry to cut our encounter short, but it would appear our limo copter is being attacked. Attacked? By whom? Not whom, but what. A giant flock of crows is trying to run us off the sky. You mean we're under attack by a swarm of crows? Yes, a regular consortium of crows. Well then where did this herd of crows come from? All I know is that the bouquet of crows is trying to kill us all. Here, take these parachutes. I'll have Goon 2 man the eastern turrets. That ought to distract this parliament of crows while you sneak out the escape hatch. Oh, but I wanted to see the yacht mansion. We're right above the office of morphometric ornithology. Now go, before our listeners have time to overthink this incredibly convoluted scenario. Got it. I'll catch you later. As we floated to the ground, I couldn't help but wonder what kind of alliance I'd formed. Cece was every bit as beautiful as her sister. Was she just as equally devious? Only time would tell. Wow, that was a close one. Impressive parachuting, Dick. Thanks. I was top of my creative falling class at Police Academy. It's been fun getting to know you, but this is where we must part ways. I've got a grave robber to catch, and you're probably going to need to get back to your day job, considering the Office of Morphometric Ornithology is currently on fire. Oh, so it is. I was wondering where all that smoke was coming from. Be sure to call me if you find anything. Don't try to take this guy out on your own, understand? I'm a big girl. I can handle myself. I'll see you at the end of the story. Looking forward to it. Detective! Hi! I thought I might find you here. Oh, hello, you? It's Frank. Frank Quietly. Yeah, I knew that. What's going on here, Frank? Somebody set fire to the building. Looks like arson. Any clues we may have gotten as to what kind of research Dr. Deadman was looking into are officially lost. Then I guess we're back at square one. Hello, detective. Fancy a fresh link of slaughter spicy sausage? You again. Sorry, we've been pulling charred bodies out all morning and they look and smell delicious. It really put us in the mood for more barbecue. Holy cow, people died in the fire? Oh, excuse me, I realize how that sounded now. No, nobody died. The building housed the world's largest collection of taxidermied birds, and now that collection is extra crispy. Perhaps a delicious bacon-wrapped lamb kebab to whet your appetite. Dang it, Saul, I don't want any of your weird meats. Okay, I can take a hint. What about you, Frank? Oh yes, I'd love a Frank, thank you. Any witnesses? No, no witnesses, unfortunately. The whole building was empty on account of National Bird Day, but as luck would have it, there was a delivery for Dr. Deadman sitting in the unburned mailbox. Great, what is it? It's a receptacle for letters, parcels, and packages, but that's not important right now. Dr. Deadman had ordered a toxicology report for a sample of local crows. He suspected they may have been poisoned due to their erratic behavior, but it turns out they were completely drug-free. Fascinating. I should get to the morgue and talk to the coroner. Good thing the morgue is right across the street. Oh, you're right. There it is. Wow, how convenient. Detective, do you mind if I ask you a question? Is this about my half-shaved beard? Oh, I hadn't even noticed. I was too distracted by the fact that you are completely naked right now. Yeah, I'd just gotten out of a helicopter shower and didn't have time to redress. Well, I have a spare set of clothes in my car if you wanted to borrow them. Oh, um... Yeah, I might as well. Thanks. The case, much like the Bird Science Building Inferno, was heating up. Whatever Deadman was looking into had gotten him killed, and the killer wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. 
I barely had time to finish this monologue before I made it to the morgue. Dr. Morgan Jordan. Richard, it's so good to see you. What brings you into the morgue this morning? I'm working the Deadman murder. Have you found anything interesting with the bones? In addition to the weak bites all over the body, Deadman had cracked cranium, torn tarsus, scratched scapula, punctured pelvis, mangled mandible, and at least one cavity in his teeth. All the injuries are consistent with the theory of a cronado. Cut the mumbo-jumbo morgue jargon, Jordan. Shoot straight with me. Was this a murder? I'd say he died of unnatural causes, but without any meat or blood left to test, there's very little we can do. However, I did discover something interesting. If you take the arm bone here, and this leg bone here, and you tap them together against the ribs, like so. That is humorous. <laughs> no, this was actually the femur. Common mistake. As long as I have you here, do you mind if I ask some questions about another case I'm working? Do you remember Paul Dubs? He should have come through here a couple weeks ago. Dubs? Yeah, but that wasn't a murder. He died of a broken heart. It got squished under the piano, along with all of his other organs. I got them right here. His organs? Yeah, I collect organs, for science. I keep them all over here in the pull-out drawer. Huh, that's funny. My organ drawer is empty. Your organ drawer? It was a regular smorgasbord of organs for sure. We had big organs, short organs, organs from orphans. Now there's no more organs in the morgue. Can you pull up the security tapes for the last week? Sure. As you can see, I've got my computer right here. Dippity tap. Oh my goodness. Is that? Yes. It's exactly what I expected. What does it mean? It means we've got ourselves a case of grand theft organ. Pause the video right there. Do you see what I see? Wow. That is such a visually striking image. I know, right? Quite the tableau vivant, if I do say so myself. The way the lighting glistens off the moist organs. It almost looks like art. I wouldn't even know where to begin describing this scene. Anyway, we can both see what we're looking at, so there's no point in continuing to talk about it. I better go now. Okay, bye. Uh, don't be a stranger. Knock, knock. Chief! What are you doing here? Some goons parachuted down to the police station to drop off your gun and cell phone. I heard from Frank that you were here at the morgue, so I thought I'd come by and deliver them to you. Gunther, there you are. Did you miss me? Chief, uh, w would you like to take a look at this incredible security tape we just uncovered? Would that I could, but alas, I am blind. Perhaps you can describe it to me? The footage shows a man donned head-to-toe in medieval-style body armor breaking into the morgue, stealing spare body parts and stuffing them into a satchel. If you look closely, you'll see a rhombocube octahedron sticker on the shoulder of the suit of armor. I know what that is. Of course you do. Everyone knows what a rhombocube octahedron is. That's quite fascinating, but if it doesn't have anything to do with the Crow case, you should forget about it. The mayor's been breathing down my neck all morning. He wants to run his re-election campaign on a promise of no more skeletons, and this dead man death has thrown a wrench into those plans. He insists we get this murder solved yesterday. But we just found the body today, and last time I checked, traveling to the past is illegal. I'm telling you this for your own good. Focus on the murder. Kick the body thief over to MMU. You mean the morbid misdemeanors unit? But Chief, that department is a total joke. They haven't solved a case since the Christmas Krampus caper of 69, and that was only because the elves narked. It's funny you should bring that up. You see, Gunther wasn't the only reason I came down here. I also wanted to give you a warning, face to face, man to man. 
I met with Matt at the Mayor's Manor on Mansion Row. Mayor Maynard asked me to move you off murders and make you manager of morbid misdemeanors. But I can't work MMU. That's a huge demotion. And those guys down there are so weird. Maynard's just trying to get back at me for getting his friend fired. I told him I needed you to stay in homicide, but he was insistent. We reached a compromise. If you can crack the killer crow case, he'll concede this quest to crush your career. No pressure, though. Wait a second. If you're blind, how did you get all the way here from the police station? Surely you don't drive. Of course not. I rode my bike. And don't call me Shirley. But I'd love to stay and chat, but I've got a murder to solve. I hit the bricks to see if any of the regular suspects knew anything about Dr. Deadman's untimely demise. My criminal informants were always good for telling me what the word was on the street. And it turned out, bird was the word. But Morgan Jordan's organ drawer wasn't the only thing coming up empty. Nobody knew who was responsible for the sudden spike in crow crime. I was at a dead end when I got a nudge in an unexpected direction. This is Richard Tective. Detective Richard Tective. Hello, Dick. Cece, to what do I owe the pleasure? I've found a lead in the dubbed case. The rhombocuboctahedron is the logo of a band called Thelonious Funk, who made their debut performance last week at the Act Break Bar. Someone stole the band's air guitar, and they haven't been able to play ever since, which means whoever got that sticker on the Night Knight's armor was there the night the band played. How did you know about the rhombocuboctahedron? I have my ways. I also have friends at the Act Break Bar. Tell the bartender that Cece sent ya. I'd go there myself, but I'm currently trapped inside a werewolf den. Don't ask. It's a long story. Thanks for the tip, and good luck with the werewolves. The Act Break Bar was the kind of dive where lowlifes and criminals go to blow off steam. But it had its own code of conduct. It was only a dangerous place if you were a cop. Unfortunately for me, I was a cop, which is precisely why I knew exactly where to find the act break. Right after this word from our sponsors. Did you alienate your entire family? Drove all your friends away with your intolerable behavior? Find that even casual acquaintances can't stand to be around you for more than a few minutes? Well, who better to put up with you than you? With one quick call to clone of my own, you can relieve your solitude with a companion who will never leave you because they are you. Your clone won't just share your DNA either. They owe their entire existence to your consumerist whims. After being locked in the basement all day, they'll be thrilled to hear you come home. Money doesn't buy that kind of gratitude, except here at Clone of My Own. And don't worry, if you start to find yourself as tedious as everyone else does, you can purchase our quiet clone ball gag and keep your clone around for tedious household chores. So remember, with a clone of your own, You'll never be alone with a clone or two of your own or three. You'll never be alone. Bartender. Where? No, I was talking about you. You are the bartender here at the Act Break Bar, are you not? Oh, sorry. I misunderstood you. The name's Dick. Hi, Dick. I'm Bart. I'm looking for some information about a man who came through this away not too long ago. About yay-hi, smelled of dead bodies, covered head-to-toe in a suit of armor. Sorry, bud. I can't help you. I think I'd remember something like that. That's too bad. My friend Cece Skarsgård seemed to think you'd be able to help. How do you know Cece? I have some history with her sister. I guess you could say I have 
sistery. Cece Skarsgård has a sister? Indeed, Dee Dee Dardar. Listen, I'd love to help, but I'm on the clock. So if you want to talk, you'll need to order something. You know how to make a Bloody Mary Poppins? Vodka, tomato juice, and bubblegum Pedialyte. That's the ticket. Give me one and make it extra bloody. Here you go. Thanks. Now about this night-night. I told you already. I don't know anything about that. The guy was playing hardball, but I knew what he was getting at. I slapped a 20 on the table and slid it over. Maybe this might jog your memory. Oh, uh, thanks. But that's not gonna change the fact that I literally don't know anything. This clearly wasn't his first rodeo. I slapped another 20 down. Maybe you could try and think a little harder. Whoa, that's a lot of money. But I'm telling you, I don't have any leads. This was taking too long. I needed to get to the bottom of it fast. So I slapped a 50 on top. Dude, I'm not being coy. Keep your money. I don't know anything. It was time for the big guns. I slapped a $75 bill onto the stack. All right, that's much better. <laughs> you know what? I just remembered. There was a guy came in here a few times in the last week. Wore a suit of armor just like the one you described. Only he had this sticker on his with a picture of a... What do you call one of them Archimedean solid shapes with eight triangular, six square, and twelve rectangular faces? You mean a rhombocubohoctahedron? Yeah, that's it. A rhombocubohoctahedron. Any idea who he was? What was I supposed to do? Ask to see his ID? I'm just a bartender. Can you imagine? All right, is there anything else you can tell me about him? No, not really. Not really, no. Well, except for one thing. Every time he comes in, he's always followed by a cacophony of crows. I told him he can't be bringing those birds in here. This isn't a crow bar. Wait, the bird murder and the night-night cases are related? Bart, you just blew my freaking mind. And would you look at that? It's your friend, Cece. Hello, Bart. I'll have the usual. Sorry, Miss Skarsgård. We're all out of sparkling skittle water. Aw, oh, well in that case, do you know how to make a green goblin? Mountain Dew, sake, and lime? That's the stuff. Cece, what happened with the werewolves? Do I know you? It's me, Richard. Richard Tective. Detective Richard Tective. Oh, you're the man who arrested my sister. Of all the bars on all the streets of Noir City, what brings you here, gumshoe? You did. Don't you remember? We're working the grave robber case together for BT Dubs. <laughs> oh, I see what's happened. What a hilarious misunderstanding. You must forgive me. I believe you've been deceived, Detective. The woman you've been communicating with was, in fact, my identical twin sister, Dee Dee. She likes to pretend to be me sometimes, just to mess with people. Are you saying Dee Dee Dardar escaped? <laughs> escaped? Heavens no. She was released over a lack of evidence when the arresting officer forgot to show up to testify. Oh, beans. If you're looking for a grave robber, I think I might be able to help. Do you know a man named... Solomon Sockeye. My old friend Nemesis. I should have known he had something to do with this. Solomon said he saw something at the cemetery that spooked him. He told me he was scared. And he hasn't been the same since. What did he see? Why don't you ask him yourself? I don't know where he is. 
I do, and I'll tell you exactly where to find him, but I'll need something from you in exchange. I want a get-out-of-jail-free card. But I only get one of those per month. I was saving this one for Mom's birthday present. Plus, I'm really not supposed to give these to criminals. I'm not a criminal. I'm C.C. Skarsgård. Fine. I guess Mama Tective can spend one more month in Rikers. Here you go. Please don't make me regret this. Lovely. You'll see Solomon at St. Simon's Saloon on South 2nd Street. And Detective, don't be a stranger. South 2nd Street was a 20-minute drive across town. More than enough time for me to wonder how it was all connected. How was the night-night controlling birds? Why did he kill the bird scientist? And how could I have fallen for the oldest trick in the book? Pretending to be your own twin sister. It was enough to make a man wonder if there really ever were any werewolves, or if that was all just another deception. I found Sockeye sitting at the bar sipping Sazerac and decided to sidle up to the stool next to him. What are you up to, Sockeye? Morning, Dick. It's not morning, it's almost 8pm. No, I said morning. I'm morning, Dick. My dear godmother passed away last week, died in a freak alligator racing accident. Sorry for your loss. Excuse me, bartender! Oh my god, where? No, I meant... Wait a second. Bart? What are you doing here? Oh, hi, Dick. I work here too. Yeah, there's a shortage of good drink servers in North City. There's also a shortage of people named Bart, ever since the Bart Ender came to town. But you were just working at the Act Break Bar. I know. In this economy, in order to afford a two-bedroom apartment, I have to work 25 hours a day. That means occasionally working two jobs at the same time. But hey, it's a living. What can I get you to drink? Do you know how to make a kiss of death? Pickle juice and Jägermeister? That's the stuff. Thanks. Cheers, Solomon. Here's to... What was her name? Muriel. To Muriel. To Mama Muriel, racing gators across the river Styx. All right, let's cut to the chase, Dick. I know you're only here for my criminal expertise. A mutual friend of ours says you may have seen something strange recently at the cemetery. Perhaps something involving a body snatcher? Perhaps you'd like to talk about it. Mama Muriel's funeral was the standard drill, but a burial was a bit more surreal. How so? When it comes to cremation, you can insist on a certain sort of incineration. Some souls seek out specialized services. They may want their remains made into jewelry, or poured into an hourglass, or contained in salt shakers. Hey. I don't kink shame the deal that departed. What kind of service did Muriel insist on? She had her dust mixed with glitter and packed into a confetti cannon. At the end of the bagpipe medley, she exploded all over the mourners. It was unexpected to be sure, but I guess that's just the kind of woman Muriel was. Anyway, I took a walk after the service to clear my head. Mostly the hair and eyes part of the head because they were coated in Muriel dust. That's when I ended up in the cemetery playground, and that's where I saw... What? What did you see? Not what. Who? I saw Saul Slaughter. What was the butcher doing at the graveyard? Was he catering a funeral? No. He was wearing a suit of armor, but it happened upon him right as he'd taken off the helmet to eat a sandwich, and Saul had a shovel. Looked like he just dug up dubs. You're saying you saw Saul with Paul Dubs? You know Paul? I'm working a case for Paul's Paul. Ah, yeah. Saul had Paul. But he also had a hacksaw. What was Saul doing with a hacksaw? He was sawing. He was sawing. Say it! 
He was sawing the body of Paul into pieces. He was making him into Paul's law. So Saul's the grave robber? I see. And where exactly was Saul sawing? I told you, it was at the playground. Yes, but where at in the playground? Huh? Was it near any sort of playground fixture by chance? I, I don't know, like over next to the monkey bars, I guess. Dang. What a missed opportunity. Listen, I don't know what kind of weird stuff the butcher is into, but I made sure to bury a bunch of Claymore explosives all around Muriel's grave just to be safe. You're probably not allowed to do that, but who am I to say what is or isn't legal? Wait a second. If Muriel was cremated, then why did she have a grave? It was a plot hole. Listen, Sakai, you've been a tremendous help. And I promise you, I will catch the man responsible for killing Daryl Deadman. I have absolutely no emotional connection to your case whatsoever. Your words mean nothing to me. You hang in there. You're gonna be alright. Whatever. Okay, phone. Dial Chief Jameson Justice. Hello? Chief, I need a warrant to search Saul Slaughter Slaughterhouse. C.C. Skarsgård sent me to see Solomon Sakai. Solomon says he saw Saul sawing Paul at the playground. Was it by the seesaw? No, actually. Monkey bars. Dang. Missed opportunity. I know. That's what I said. Hold up. Are you telling me the town butcher is the one who's been stealing human body parts? I'm eating ribs from Slaughter's Butchery right now. Excuse me for a moment while I go throw up. Give me that warrant first and you can throw up while me and Saul throw down. Oh, sorry. I've got another call coming in from an unknown number. One second. I'll be right back. Hello? It seems you've been asking a lot of questions lately, poking your nose where it doesn't belong. Who is this? You don't know me, detective, but I- Saul? No. Is this Saul Slaughter from Slaughter's Butchery? No. I know you did it, Saul. Fine, you got me, but I got leverage. Say hello to your little friend, detective. Dick, he caught me. He's holding me hostage at the park where they found Deadman's body. Um... And this is... who, uh... which sister am I talking to? It's me! Cece! Yeah, the real Cece, or...? Come along, detective. If you ever want to see Cece again, if you're not here within an hour, I'll be forced to do something unmentionable. Like what? I can't tell you. It's unmentionable. Well then don't mention it. Try singing it. I'm going to kill her. You can't kill her! She'll die! Like the tip of my knife. It's exactly the point. <laughs> You're a madman! Also, you hang up first. I have someone on the other line, and I don't know how to switch it without dropping the call. Oh, uh, okay, sure. See you soon. Bye! Hello, Chief. I'm back. Who was it? Wrong number. Listen, Chief, forget everything I said about Saul. I was mistaken. Oh, good. I already finished my ribs and was about to move on to the meatloaf also from Slaughter's Butchery. And for dessert, it's Ladyfingers from Mrs. Lovett's Pie Shop. I have to go, Chief. Wait, no, I'm so lonely. I've been watching Sweeney Todd and trying to make funny puns and just failing. Please, just, just help me. Please. I was in a real sticky situation. Saul had Cece, as well as an army of crows at his beck and call. If I showed up unprepared, I'd be deader than Daryl Deadman but I had one hour to get ready, and that was just enough time to make two important stops on my way to the park. Step one was the police department armory. Gunther was a good gun, but to take down a gaggle of crows, I'd need an upgrade. My second stop was at the 24-hour car wash because someone had written wash me in the dirt on my ride's back window while I was talking to Sakai, and that's just really embarrassing. The moonlit sky watched over the park with its ancient eyes. It was in for a real show tonight.
Saul, show yourself. I came alone, just like you said. You shouldn't have come. Now he's gonna kill us both. How did you get away from the werewolves? It's a long story. What? I can't understand you with that helmet on. I said, I'm so happy you made it. And with time to spare, too. Am I early? I can go and make the block a couple of times if you're not ready. Nonsense. Let's get started. Our other guests of honor should be arriving shortly. You mean the rabble of crows? See, I've got it all figured out. You've been feeding the crows, haven't you? I imagine it started innocently enough. A few scraps from the butchery, the bits unworthy of filling sausages. The crows probably got used to it, started coming around more often and in greater numbers. Eventually, it was no longer economically sustainable to feed the birds from your own supply. But you're Saul Slaughter, the kind of guy who gets called out to cater crime scenes on the reg. You saw all those dead human bodies going to waste, and you concocted a plan. Hey, you're kind of stealing my villain monologue. Oh, go ahead. You can take it from here. You really took the wind out of my sails. I was really looking forward to this part. It's true. He was rehearsing before you got here. I'll pretend I don't know anything. It's just, the moment's ruined. Fine, I'll do it. Saw Slaughter began small at first, stealing the occasional arm or leg from the crime scene. Nothing anyone would notice. But the moment the crows first tasted human meat, they became ravenous. No other meat would do. And if they didn't get what they wanted, they'd try to take it from Saul. Which is why he constructed a crow-proof suit of armor to protect him from the birds. Eventually, the crow hunger got to be too much. Saul needed a consistent supply of man meat. The cemetery was a solid start, but the organ drawer at the morgue was a source of even more. But you couldn't keep control of your carnivorous clowder of killer crows, could you, Saul? Your Frankenstein's monster went rogue and ate an innocent bird scientist bystander. That's where you went wrong, Dick. The crows and I have an understanding. They know that I'm their friend, nay, their god. And they attack who and when I tell them to. That lousy Dr. Deadman was on to me. Started running tests, tracking the litter of crows in an effort to discover why they were behaving so unusually. That's why I lured him here to this place and ordered the crows to clean his bones, which is exactly what's going to happen to you. Well, it's a good thing I came prepared. You fool. Haven't you ever heard the expression, never bring a gun to a crow fight? Oh, this old thing? It's not a gun. It's a cat launcher! Is that it? Looks like your gun is out of ammo. No, just got a cat jam. Hang on, let me smack the cat cartridge back into place. The crows, they're retreating. You did it, Dick. Thank you for saving me. You're welcome, Cece. Or should I say, Dee Dee? <gasps> what? I ran into your sister Cece at the St. Simon Saloon. She told me everything. Oh, I see what must have happened. That wasn't my sister Cece. It wasn't? No, that was my sister Dee Dee. You see, Dee Dee has a bad habit of pretending to be me. Oh, I see. Enough. Have you two forgotten that I'm still here? And I have a knife. Shoot him, dick. Your gun and cat launcher can't hurt me. 
I'm wearing a full-body, bulletproof suit of armor, remember? Your bullets are useless here. Oh, I was prepared for this. You see, Saul, before I came here, I washed my car. So? And I sprung for the ultra-premium deluxe package, thus ensuring it would rain tonight, rendering the entire car wash moot. That's just Murphy's Law. You can't argue with science. Water? No! No! I'm rusting, rusting! What a world! This is literally a fate worse than death! You saved me again. Just doing my job. We'll take it from here. Goons, take the night knight and put him on the limo copter. He'll make an excellent addition to my statue room. Detective, I must thank you for solving this case. Don't forget our deal, dubs. Don't worry. Mayor Maynard will no longer be a problem. Oh, good. Because he's dead. Wait, what? I told you, I have a lot of pull in this town. You murdered Mayor Maynard? No, detective. I didn't do it. Dee Dee Dada did. She's already confessed to the crime, but rumor has it she's got a get-out-of-jail-free card. How fortunate, don't you think? Everyone gets exactly what they wanted. Which reminds me, Cece, we saved you a seat. Surely you're not going with them. I have to. He's my father. And don't call me Shirley. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. How's that supposed to work? Well, you see, my mother was adopted. Oh, got it. I'll see you around. And hey, don't be a stranger. That's it? That's how this episode ends? No, detective. This is how the episode ends. The frost on my window was bright red when the phone rang. It could only mean one of two things. Either there was a particularly bloody crime scene on my doorstep, or the sun was setting on Noir City. There's nothing in this town quite like a sunset. The secret ingredient is smog, makes the reds redder and forces every jaded soul in this black and white town to stop and look up. It hits you hard, remembering that there's something beautiful out there, even if it is 93 million miles away. But let's face it, this is Noir City, so the crime scene on my doorstep was the likelier option. And honestly, it was the one I was hoping for, because where there's bloodshed, there's a good chance of running into Dee Dee Dardar or Cece Skarsgård, the identical twin sisters who haunted my dreams those long winter nights, each one more martially gifted and morally ambiguous than the other. 
For a long time, I hadn't trusted the whispers of my soul to anyone but Gunther, my strong and silent sidearm. But as stoic as Gunther was, lately I could tell he was feeling like a third wheel, maybe even a fourth. Anyway, by the time I thought all of that, the phone had rung 17 times. 17, the magic number. Sorry, who's this? Kiki. Kiki Tarkov. Who? Kiki Tarkov. Uh, could, could you spell that for me? I'm filling in some paperwork. Please, it's my mother. You've got to help her. She... Hello? Hello. Your call has been ended by a paid interruption service. To hear about how you can access our services and always be first in line, press 1. For great deals from our allies and accomplices, press 2. To hear the message that's been sent to you, press 9. A body has been murdered at the Bibulous Ballroom during the wedding of BT Dobbs. Come quickly! listening to your message. Was there a command or a strong suggestion in your message? If so, make sure to- BT Dubs, the man who ran the businesses that ran the people who ran this town. And now he was giving me the runaround. Not only was he about as trustworthy as skates on a ski slope, he was also apparently Cece's father. A thought that still confused me since Cece was supposedly Dee Dee's identical twin sister, and I'd met Dr. Dardar, the man who was supposedly Dee Dee's father. I'm no botanical mathematician, but this family tree wasn't adding up. The woman on the line, whichever sister it was, might know the answer. I gave her a call back. Hello. Your call has been prevented by a paid interruption service. If you listen closely to the message left for you, you'll sense a polite request. In order to foster connections and build community, we are preventing you from making further calls until this request is completed. If you'd like to hear your message again, please- Well, buns. It looked like I had no choice. I left Gunther at home. Dubs ran some tight security and, anyway, Gunther doesn't do weddings. I went out in the street where the sun had finished setting and I walked uphill against the wind. The Bibulous Ballroom was way uptown, the kind of place where the ceilings were high and the décolletage was low. Not the type of digs I get invited to, but the badge opens all kinds of doors. Richard, I didn't expect to see you again so soon, but murders do have a way of bringing us together. Dubs, my condolences on the terrible coincidence. First your son, and now? Who's the unlucky stiff tonight? No one spoke, but their eyes gave away the game. There she was pretty in a bluish kind of way, all swaddled in white like she'd fallen asleep in a snowdrift. And coldest of all was the big piece of ice on her ring finger. My wife, Juliet. We had just spoken our vows when she collapsed. Gracious me, and it seems no one told the string quartet. Their contract dictates that they play, as yours will dictate that you detect, should you take the case. So it was you who called? Technically. The call was placed by an agent using a holding company through an untraceable proxy line. But I understand your quaint working-class use of verbs. Yes, it was I who placed the call. 
But while you were the first to arrive in my mind, you aren't the first to arrive on the scene. He was right. Someone was crouched next to the body, and while the room was full of starch, stodgy standabouts, this fellow had an evidence-gathering look about him. His face was familiar. I stole a look at his name tag. Seriously? What kind of sicko names their child F.A.Q.? Hello, detective. It stands for Francis Albert Quitely. My parents were jazz fans. Huh. Guess that monologue wasn't as internal as I thought. Well, whatever his name was, he was a witness, so he was about to be frequently asked questions now. That's why I'm here. I'm a crime scene tech, and we've met more times than I can count. Anyway, what did you want to know? Just a regular tech, huh? Seems like you got to the scene awfully fast. I was actually already here. Crime scene work gives you lots of practice with a camera, so I've got a side hustle doing wedding photography. Think this one might be my big break. Take a look. I'd just gotten the focus on her when she fell. Hmm. I wouldn't have admitted it to him, but these were the most beautifully composed crime scene photos I'd ever seen. Thank you. Seriously, rule of thirds. Depth of field. The way the red satin on the altar matched the drop of blood on the bouquet. Yes, as you can see, there is blood on the bouquet, which comes from a tiny prick on her finger. And we can see the thorn that's responsible right here. My guess is a poisonous plant. It seems like whoever arranged these flowers was also trying to arrange her death. Run those off to the department. Not often that we get wedding photos as evidence, but who knows? Maybe they'll offer you a job. Will do, detective. And here, take my card, in case you ever decide to get married. Well, well. Nary a rose without its thorn, I suppose. Indeed. Who did the flowers for this wedding? Looks like we'll be sending them a flower arraignment. That I make a point of leaving to the bride-to-be. Women can attach a strange significance to flowers. Although, hmm, bring that bouquet closer. I've never seen that particular bloom. Well, detective, it seems we may have two crimes. I suspect Noir City may have laws against murder, but I know for a fact that importing poisonous plants is a serious offense. And rumor has it that the new mayor is on a particular crusade against poachers. So Dubs knew poisonous plants. Weird. But no surprise that he had the mayor's agenda on the tip of his tongue. Everyone knew Dubs was the local kingmaker. Au contraire, Dick. I am a mere mayor-maker. And after the murder of our wayward Mayor Maynard, what could I do for my city but endorse a replacement? Alas, if the new one dies in the next few days, he'll have to be replaced by some other, more electoral means. I have a honeymoon to attend. You're still going on your honeymoon? Of course. Honeymoons are about relishing the sweetness of life, and what makes life sweeter than knowing you nearly lost it? Times like this call for a return to the simple pleasures. So I'm making a restorative visit to one of my properties, some large island right between the Pacific and the Atlantic. I forget the name. Wait, before you go, did your wife have any enemies? My dear Juliet, she was loved by everyone in the world. I, on the other hand, am deeply leveraged in enemies. And when we spoke our vows, what was mine became hers. Anything we could learn from your past wives? Hmm. Past wives are something I've never believed in. Don't play cute, Dubs. I've met your daughters, and I'll just say they both make a lot more sense if their mother went through an assassination attempt or two. Ah, so you've taken an interest in Dee Dee and or Cece. Did they give you the line about being identical twins? What else could they be? But you were asking about their mothers. This may not be easy for you to understand, Dick. I suspect you and I look for different qualities in an ex-wife. You do have an ex-wife, don't you? He wasn't wrong. I had more exes than a tic-tac-toe tournament, but I wasn't going to give him the pleasure of saying so. Yes, I thought so. Tell me, when your past marriages fell apart, 
Did you swear to yourself that you'd learned your lesson and you'd find a different sort of woman next time? That's what most men do. But I have learned, through experience and introspection, that the qualities I seek in a companion are simple and unchanging, and they appear in the brief springtime of a woman's life. And when I see those traits, I marry them. If the results are more or less the same each time, well, the same could be said of eating. I don't understand. I was making a comparison between marriage and the digestive- I understood that. But I asked you whether your wives had faced danger, and you told me about how you picked them. Yes. You pride, Dick. I can see that your interest in my family isn't strictly professional, and you might persist in asking questions that aren't your concern. So it's important that you know how things began and how they ended. It may help you take the stories you'll hear with a grain of salt. And now I'm afraid we're out of time. The chauffeur of my limo copter does like to keep a tight timetable. Chief. Dick, I've got a case for you. There was a murder tonight at the Bibulous Ballroom. Already on it. Weird, but all right. I need you to collect the bouquet and bring it to the coroner's office. Morgan Jordan will take some cell samples and determine what species we're dealing with. The bride wasn't human? Whoa, Dick. Take that bullet out of your chamber. You're not on the murder. You're on the plant poaching case. Special request from the mayor. Conflabbit, Chief. He only said that because I ticked off dubs by asking too many questions. Asking invasive questions is one of the department's core values. I need someone to back me up when these ten-minute tin-pot mayors get on a power trip. Dick, you and I are just pawns in this house of cards, and the dominoes are starting to fall. The feds are on this one. They take this stuff seriously. The feds. I didn't know much beyond the noir city powers that be, but word on the street was that somewhere out there were powers that be even higher. And their will was executed by the feds. I barely believed in the things. But here was the chief telling me the boogeyman was real. All right, chief. Your hands are tied. I get it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. I hung up and headed outside. The snow had stopped. Not a footprint to be seen. For a second it was like I had this whole godforsaken city to myself. Then I saw a glint of light and realized I wasn't alone. A figure had stepped out of the shadows without making a sound. When she saw it was me, she tucked her stiletto back into her Swiss Army ball gown and walked my way. Dick. Cece. Dee Dee. Whoever you are, how's your mother? What an unexpected and surprisingly unflirtatious question. Especially when I've spent all night attending my father's wedding. Sorry, I guess I must have missed my invitation. No plus one for me. I was working. Working, eh? You bake cakes on the side? Private security. Dubs is looking for a new contractor. Decided to make tonight a trial run. I offed a few assassins, but the poison flowers got past me. So I'm back at square one, all dressed up with no one to kill. But I didn't emerge from the shadows to talk about me. I'm here to convince you to investigate the murder. No can do. Talk to the other detectives at the office. I did, and they're all double-cast in other roles. Anyway, I know you saw the crime scene. I happened to be strolling through a nearby air duct and couldn't help overhearing your conversation with my father. Then you know I'm already on a case. Someone's importing poisonous plants into Noir City, and the only thing I like poached is my eggs. I would have thought you liked your eggs. Hard-boiled. Why? 
You know, detectives. Oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe you're nothing but a customs officer. Listen, toots. You ever hear of broken windows policing? Oh, do go on. I love it when a man explains forensic psychology. It's the idea that little crimes are a slippery slope to the nasty stuff. Folks see their neighbors breaking windows and poaching plants without consequences. They start to think they live in a lawless world. The next thing you know, you've got burglaries and premarital cohabitation and... And murder? And murder. And sometimes the best thing a cop can do isn't solving the last murder. It's preventing the next one. One illegally imported plant at a time. Well, since you've devoted that prodigious mind of yours to the plant poaching case, I assume you've spotted the message in the flowers? What message? Every flower has a meaning. Wedding bouquets usually have red roses for love and white lilies for purity. But what have we here? Apart from the poison flower, there's anemone for abandonment, chamomile for money, blue rose for hopelessness, poppy for death. All in all, one ugly wedding bouquet, but the message is clear. Someone is asking, no, begging for help. And mothers teach their daughters these meanings in secret. So whoever did this wanted to make sure no man understood the message. Do you think the bride knew she was in danger? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? One more thing, Dick. Be careful around my father. He's got his thumbs in more pies than you can imagine. He must have some sticky fingerprints. Oh, nothing sticks to him. Not even blood. If not for my black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I wouldn't trust him any further than I could throw him. Speaking of secrets, Dub said you and your sister aren't identical twins. Is it true? It's true. Dee Dee and I are the daughters of different dames. But how? If you want to understand, it's time you met my mother. You're looking for a cute little house at 101 Peril Parkway in Pilfering Pines. Pilfering Pines? That's in the suburbs. Mother wanted to get out of this town to someplace quiet and green. When they met, Dubs happened to be breaking ground on just such a place. The name was a little joke make it sound dangerous so anyone who wasn't in the know would stay away. He and Mother used to laugh about it. I'll think about it, but for now I'm on the clock. I'm sure. And it's ticking. And then she was gone, leaving me alone with my itching brain. The next step was clear. It was time to call that jazz singer who gave me his business card back at Dubs' wedding. Hello? Hey, you. Listen, I need a favor. Those wedding photos you showed me earlier, can you compare them with the publicly available photos of Dubs' past wives? I can do you one better. If you check out the Instagram handle on my card, I keep my whole portfolio on there and- I'm not looking to hire anyone right now. Uh, no, what I mean is, I have photos there of all of Dubs' wives. I photographed all of his weddings. All of them? Didn't you say this one was your big break? So far, he's never actually paid me, but I bought some new lights that really make things go pop, so I think this might be the year. And hey, while you're in there, if you can hit like on the latest photos, it might really help persuade- Noir City is a rough town, but that conversation was more depressing than I could put up with. Fortunately, his Instagram seemed a lot more optimistic and successful. 
I scrolled through it from one wedding shoot to the next, Dubs' voice echoing in my mind. The qualities I seek in a companion are simple and unchanging, and they appear in the brief springtime of a woman's life. Dubs had identical wives? Even as things were coming together, they made less sense than ever. But for now, all roads led to the coroner's office. I hoofed it there. Morgan Jordan, the man in charge, was waiting up. Morgan Jordan, you're working late. Good evening, slash morning, Richard. The underworld works overtime, and so must we. Good thing minds like ours aren't dulled by sleeplessness or overwork. If anything, going without rest only makes me more alert to the city's constant dangers. I myself suffer a bit of short-term memory loss, but I'm proud to say my scalpel hand is actually steadiest on no sleep and four pots of coffee. Still, no matter how steady the hand, it seems rude to chop up a woman on her wedding night. Oh, the body hasn't arrived yet. Things don't move according to the convenience of the plot, you know. Except when they do. Except when they do. But there's good news. I may not be able to autopsy the victim, but I can autopsy the suspect. The suspect? Dr. Morgan Jordan approached me, slowly raising the scalpel in his hand. My defensive instincts took over. I assumed my most intimidating stance and raised the wedding bouquet. Not much of a weapon, but it already had one kill to its name. Ah, thank you, detective. I'll take that. You make a very fetching flower girl one day. No, I wasn't... That was... Let's get down to business. Very interesting. I see damage consistent with a scalpel injury. What's this in my hand? Where am I? Oh, I beg your pardon. On examination of the poison flower, I can only draw one conclusion. This is a completely new species. You sound awfully confident. Richard, you may know Morgan Jordan, the morgman who hoards organs in drawers... But would you be floored if I swore I'd been awarded the Order of the Orchid? I'm sorry, what? I've been a collector of rare plants for years. It's why the chief sent you my way. And it's the rarest privilege in the life of an enthusiast like myself to be able to name a new species. I hereby name it Exhorto Morgan Jor- Can we just call it Wedding Weed and be done with it? Wedding Weed. So be it. It is practically a weed. Members of this family appear all over the world, but this one is the first to evolve poison thorns. It may have sprung forth anywhere, but the species most like it is native to Antarctica. Things grow in Antarctica? Oh, just northern Antarctica, of course. But if you want to know where this came from, it's where I would focus my studies. Meanwhile, I'll analyze the poison. Maybe it will need naming. Dick, I regret giving you my personal number. Listen, Chief, about the poaching case. The trail is cold. Really cold. But I've got a tip about the murder. I'm going out to the suburbs. Dick, it's one thing for you to go rogue and pursue a case on your own. That I expect. But now you're talking about leaving Noir City? We've got no jurisdiction in the suburbs. Your badge might as well be a seatbelt for all the good it'll do you. And there are things out there. The feds... Border Patrol, Supreme Courts, things that don't bear mentioning. You're signing yourself up for a complicated world. I understand. This is off the clock and off the record. If I get in trouble, I won't expect backup. So there I was on the road to the suburbs. No badge, no gun. Just a man, his 64 Oldsmobile, 
and a mission on behalf of a woman he barely knew. As I weaved my way toward 101 Peril Parkway, I couldn't help imagining Cece as a kid, growing up in some subdivision where they have Easter egg hunts every day of the year. And then I came to the address. Something was wrong. It looked like I'd never left Noir City. At 101 Peril Parkway stood a rickety tenement building, like a skull with missing teeth. Dick, how's it going? Put any botanist behind bars? You jerked my leash, Cece. You told me there was a cute little house. I said you're looking for a cute little house. I didn't say you'd find it. Dubs offered my mother a dream, and she followed him there. They had two or three kids and a dog before the family went nuclear. He left us, and once he didn't live there, he realized there were more profitable uses for the land. One night I went to sleep in a peaceful ranch house built over a waterfall. The next morning I woke up in a smoky high-rise with a leaky septic tank. And so began a life in the city. What about your mother? She never left. You'll find her down the street at a bar called The Wild Goose. Watch your back. Things are getting serious. The feds are on this one. Well, we'll just have to keep ahead of them. I'm on my way. I followed Cece's directions through unfamiliar streets even snowier than the ones I'd left. The bar was the kind of joint I would have steered clear of in town, but at this point, I would have walked into hell if they'd let me warm up my hands. Inside, I saw a familiar face. Bart! Well, shut your mouth and keep on talking. Never thought I'd see your kind in the suburbs. What do you mean, my kind? Well, Dick, as you can see, there's a variety of shady individuals standing in earshot. So rather than endanger you with explicit terminology, I'm speaking in euphemisms. It's not often we see an detective day in these parts. In that case, I appreciate the pig Latin. Incidentally, do you know how to make a pig Latin? Miss cow, lime juice, and bacon bits. Lay it on me. Here, keep the change. And Cece Skarsgård sends her regards. She asked me to swing by with a message for her mother. Mind pointing me in the right direction? You found her, all right. Right over there. I looked across the room. There on the wall was a faded old photo, tacked up without a frame. And just underneath it, a shelf with an urn. That's all that's left of her. All that's left? She's got no grave? A grave? In this economy? No, she didn't have a penny to her name. Earn her drink sweeping and washing dishes. A regular to the last day. Little too much of a regular. Died halfway through a drink I made her. Folks used to leave offerings by the urn, but nowadays she's mostly just a hat stand. Beats unemployment anyway. Thanks, Bart. Excuse me while I pay my respects. I crossed the room to get a closer look at the photo. Sure enough, she was the spitting image of the bride I'd seen earlier that night. A little worse for wear, but still with some hope in her eyes. Pinned up around the photo were a few notes scribbled on the backs of business cards, and a few odds and ends squeezed in among the drinks that crowded the urn. I guess I must have gotten absorbed in it. One way or another, I left my back exposed. Well, if it isn't the one and only Dick Fective. Solomon Sockeye? 
What the dot dot dash dot are you doing here? I could ask you the same thing, Dick. Only with a question mark and an exclamation mark. We're a long way from your turf. Listen, Sockeye, I'm up way past my bedtime, so if you don't want to start something, I suggest you keep your voice low and your punctuation tasteful. Of all the signs of decline and desperation in these parts, Sockeye was the loudest and the clearest. I knew Solomon as a fixture of the criminal undercity, and right now, this particular suburb was living up to its etymology. You shouldn't be here, Dick. The suburbs are a delicate ecosystem, and you're an invasive species. You're gonna get people hurt. I'm not here to press any buttons. I'm on a mission from our mutual friend, Cece Skarsgård. Cece Skarsgård, eh? That little snifter of brandy? She's got you running her errands in the suburbs? I was looking for her mother. Didn't know what I'd find. (sighs) Poor dame deserved better. You knew her. I was at her funeral. Mind you, for years before that, being around her was like one long eulogy. Never got over how bad he treated her. He? Dubs? Keep your voice down. Around here they call him the octopus. Because no matter which way you look, his tentacles are already there. So what did he do to her? No telling. If you ask questions, she just said she did what she had to. Whatever it was, all it got her is this little shrine. I donated one of my old baseball trophies. Might as well put all my memories of better times in one place. Never knew you to be a reminiscing man, Sockeye. Ha. Doesn't come naturally. But that's what we do, us Sockeyes. We swim upstream. As for you, I can guess what you're after. To find it, you're gonna have to keep heading down the road. But you can't learn this story without becoming a part of it. That was obviously the last line of a scene, so I walked off without responding. I called Cece on the way back to the car. Well, did dear old mother fill you in? I didn't get the honor of meeting her, but her friends painted quite the picture. Everyone's looking forward to seeing her again, one day. That's sweet of you, Dick, but my mother was no saint. They never are. Doesn't mean we don't miss them. Mine's been in the clink for a while now, but every week I send her a letter and an interest payment. Her rates may be high, but I'll always appreciate that she gave me the friends and family discount. Every kid thinks their mother is one of a kind, but I know better. She's not the only wife to get the dub's treatment. Or the only daughter. Cece, I've seen pictures of your, I don't know, step-ex-mothers? But you and Dee, did dubs, uh, contribute the same genetic material both times? What can I say? He is a businessman. Are there more of you? I'm afraid so. When Dubs got tired of one wife, one suburb, one novelty, he moved on and tried the same thing again. I couldn't tell you how many of us there are. Jeez, this plot is giving me vertigo. Well, hold on tight, detective, because I'm about to spin you another tale. It may be too late for my mother, but rumor has it that one of his ex-wives is still living somewhere along that road. Has this been your game all along? Making up for the past by trying to discover some other mother who didn't suffer? What if it is? Someone told me it was part of a cop's job to prevent the next murder. No such thing as a cop in these parts. And I don't know what you want me to do with dubs. Maybe it's his fault your mother drank herself to death. But as far as I know, being a son of a bitch isn't illegal. No, it isn't. But even a pro like Dubs slips up sometimes. Don't tell me you didn't find any leads. Solomon Sockeye told me to head down the road. 
Then best get going, Dick. The feds are coming and long distance ain't cheap. Try 201 Larceny Lane in Outlaw Oaks. I hear there's a lovely children's museum. So on I went. The road went on. The snow got thicker and the sprawl never paused for a breath. As I pulled up to the address Cece gave me, I thought I glimpsed a tree, but it was just a streetlight mangled by a car, and behind it, another rundown tenement, like a headstone covered in bullet holes. No need to bother Cece this time. I scanned the block for saloon doors and made my way into a joint called the cul-de-sac. Whoa, Bart? Am I seeing double? Hey, Dick. Yeah, I'm working a double. Well, let's make it doubles all around. Do you know how to make a death in the afternoon? Champagne, absinthe, and pretentiousness. That's the stuff. I'll cut to the chase, Bart. Cece Skarsgård sent me this way. Seems like I can learn something else about her mother here. Cece? Skarsgård? We just talked about her. I talk to a lot of people, and I don't get much sleep. Gives me short-term memory loss. Who is it we talking about? Cece Skarsgård. Hitchcock blonde, sultry voice, not to be screwed with. Oh, you must have heard her name wrong. That's Dee Dee Dar Dar. Everyone knows her. Grew up in the neighborhood. Fell on hard times, landed on her feet. Her mother wasn't so lucky. She used to be a regular here. Any idea where I can find her? Dick, what in the wide world brings you to Outlaw Oaks? Solomon, did you follow me here? Me follow you? Don't make me laugh. Although chances are that someone did. Cut the sinister implications, Sockeye. I'm here on behalf of... Dee Dee Dardar, I guess? Dee Dee Dardar, eh? That little cartridge of gunpowder. Long time since she lived in these parts. So I hear. Is her mother still around? <sighs> Not for a while now. She's a hard-drinking woman, but she got her act together. Got a job managing that tenement down the street. Real bootstrap story. There's always a monkey on her back. She took a dive off the roof of that very building. Sad funeral, even as funerals go. Typical umbrellas in the rain affair, except it was just me, holding multiple umbrellas to make it look more crowded than it was. And all that happened because of how Dub- Shh! We call him the Loctopus. Because no matter which way you run, you won't find an open door. Cece! Same story in Outlaw Oaks. Dee Dee's mother slipped the noose once. It sounds like she ended up working for Dubs. Can't be helped. He's the only game in town. Let me guess. Death of despair, but coincidentally at the place where she worked? I'll be. I've heard of daughters finishing their father's sentences. Didn't know it extended to death sentences. Mine likes to repeat himself. Maybe Dee Dee's mother knew what she was in for. Danced a little faster than mine did. But Dubs was always the one calling the steps. Keep driving. You're headed for 301 Ambush Avenue in the Felony Figs development. There's a rule of trees with these names. Get going, Dick. I'm right behind you. A long road, barely visible through the snow. A tenement, like a cliff covered in vulture nests. A bar down the street called The Last Leg. Bart, you must have really hustled to get here ahead of me. Oh yeah, Dick. I'm always hustling. Tonight, I'm working a triple. Speaking of, do you know how to make a felonious drunk? Tequila, tequila, and tequila. 
You're looking for Fifi Farquhar. That little ex on the treasure map. Her mother. Poor dame had a devil on her shoulder. Got herself a job as a super only to get caught in the building during a fire. Real bad luck. Dubs? Shh. We call him the Glocktopus, because no matter which way you run, you'll get a bullet in your back. 401 Waylay Way in Hooligan Hill. Long road, snow, and one drink too many. Good thing I was top of my impaired driving class in police academy. A tenement like a wound with poison ivy. Hey, Dick. I'm working a quadruple. Do you know how to make a walk of shame? Coffee grounds, vodka, and sand. Mimi Mars bar. Tough little cookie. Her mother. Albatross around her neck. She was stabbed during a mugging gone wrong. Wrong place at the wrong time. How many of these are there? You haven't reached escape philosophy yet. 501 trepidation trace. On and on. The road is winding, which is just as well because I can't drive straight. At least I'm the only cop for miles who could arrest myself. How do you make a living? Time, money, and prayer. You're looking for hee-hee-har-har? Who sent you here? You sent me to find you who sent me to find you who sent me to find you. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd do. She was killed by poisonous ink on a contract. 601 Disquiescent Crescent in the Casa Nostra development. Keep driving. Something runs in front of the car. I mix up the gas and the brakes. I get a glimpse in the rear view. Scales and paws. Keep driving. Blood, sweat, and tears. That needle in a haystack. Right behind you. Keep driving. I opened my eyes and tried to figure out what had happened. Evidence suggested that my ride had fallen asleep in a snowdrift. Still nighttime, or maybe nighttime again, but bright. Curtains and waves of color lit up the sky overhead. I sat up to get the lay of the land. Not like any suburb I'd ever seen. It was snowdrifts around us as far as I could see, with one speck of darkness in the distance. I piled on a few spare trench coats and set off. The speck grew and resolved. A greenhouse. Some place warm, anyway. Closer still, I could see steam rising from the place. All of the windows were broken. Outside the door stood a familiar figure holding a sheet of paper. Bart! Dick, you here looking for a job? I'm sorry? This place has changed hands. I brought my resume. Hopefully a few hundred different mixing noises will get my foot in the door. This is going to be a bar? Nothing stays empty long in the suburbs. A wave of heat washed out of the front door and smoke replaced the steam. I stepped inside. All over that greenhouse, orchids and bonsais were on fire. A figure with a flamethrower turned and raised its visor. Sockeye? What are you doing? Dick. I'm on the job. I was hired by the Hostage Hills Development to provide cremation services. I'm known for being first on the side and for having the clumsiest trigger finger in the industry. Innocent objects left lying around near the target inevitably get damaged beyond repair. I've got nothing but five-star reviews. You can find me in the red pages under Blackened by Sakai. I see. And what would be the target this time? Why, the dearly departed, of course. It took me a second to locate the flamingest part of the room, but at its blue heart was a body lying in state. Not a recognizable feature left. How did she die? From a serious and incurable case of bullet holes. The Fed shot off the place just before you arrived. Seems like they'd been on the hunt for a while. 
Illegal trafficking in poisonous plants. Serious charge. And then in you came to make sure her past died with her future. I assume you'll be waiting to shed your tears once you're off the clock. Time is money, after all. Spare me the sermon, detective. She's a good dame, but she did what she had to do to get by. And so did I. But you... You just let them hear pro bono. Don't make me out to be some kind of double agent, Sockeye. I came here to help. Doesn't matter what you wanted, Dick. Everyone knows moles are blind. But hey, before you get into some really morally self-indulgent narration, you might be happy to know that my trigger finger wasn't in top form today. It missed something. A little souvenir. Solomon passed me a piece of paper. An order form for flowers for a wedding in Noir City. In the special requests section, explicit instructions for crossbreeding plants to create a poisonous bloom. And at the very bottom, signature of Dubs' wife. Holy smokes. Hello? Dick, I've parsed the puzzle of this perplexing poison. It does perpetrate the poor poison he's passing, but only in passing. What are you talking about, Morgan Jordan? The poison causes temporary death. The victim enters a coma with all vital signs coming to a complete stop. But then, a few hours later, the effects subside, and she wakes up, feeling healthy and well-rested. So Dubs' wife is alive? Probably. What do you mean, probably? Didn't she wake up? Isn't that how you figured all this out? Oh, no. We just tried the poison out on an intern. As for Juliet, after you departed, we received a copy of her will which stated that her body was not to be autopsied or otherwise disturbed in any way. Instead, we were to immediately place her in the family's burial catacombs. It wasn't until now that I realized we've been hoodwinked. Jordan, we've got to alert the chief. She has to be found and arrested. Why? Comas aren't against the law. Maybe not. But you know what apparently really, really is? Plant poaching. And I've got evidence she committed that very crime. It was another couple of hours of long-distance detective work before we had all the loose ends tied up. By that time, Solomon had made a discreet exit. Bart had shaken hands with the greenhouse's new management, and Cece had caught up with me. I found her outside in her car, asleep behind the wheel. She opened her eyes as I approached. Dick, what's going on? Were you in time to save her? No. The feds got her. They were tailing us all along. The bastards. But I think I've got it figured out. See, not only did each of the women who married Dubs die under suspicious circumstances, but they also all went to their graves with some kind of guilt hanging over them. They may call Dubs the octopus, but we know he likes to keep his tentacle prints to himself. There's always a middleman, or a middle woman. Seems to me that the cost of marrying Dubs is to personally off the last woman to do so. And he can clear your name, but he can never clear your conscience. And then one day he gets bored with you. You become the new ex-wife, and you know what's coming for you, because you did it yourself. So you prepare. The last one got as far away as she could, all the way beyond the suburbs, and she made a living here off her nursery business. But then one day the paperwork came in to do the flowers for Dubs' wedding. Paperwork that asked her to import illegal plants into Noir City. She knew she was being enticed into committing a crime that would put her life in danger, but she needed the money. So she gave him what he wanted, but she also coded a message into the arrangements, hoping one of the women in his life would understand and show her mercy. Mercy she hadn't had the strength to show back when it was her turn. 
and the new wife played her part by signing the paperwork. So Dubs's name is nowhere in connection with the crime. What's happened to her? She's off to her new home in Shady Shrub's correctional facility. And we played right into Dubs's plan. His new bride fakes her death, he calls you to the scene, and I'm at hand to hear the whole thing. He lures us both in, then has the case taken away from you, assuring that you'll be investigating without the help of the office. No records, barely any witnesses. And we lead the feds right to her. The only thing he didn't think of was you finding that piece of paper looks like you broke the cycle. Maybe, but they haven't been able to connect it to Dubs. She's refusing to talk. All she'll say is that she did what she had to do. And one more thing, she's pregnant. So one cycle ends and another cycle begins. A child is going to become a mother in the tender care of Shady Shrub's correctional facility. If it's any consolation, picture her as cellmates with Mama Tective. The two of them in there together, trading recipes for shivs. Take me home, Dick. Wherever that is. That was Season 1 of Noir City Blues. Episode 1, The Staircase, was written by Jack Townsend with creative consulting from Erica Durr. You heard the voices of Jack Townsend, Matt Standley, Erica Durr, Helen Jacks, Elias Durr, James Lanius, and Matthew Morris. Episode 2, Murdered by Birds, was written by Jack Townsend with contributions by Erica Durr, Matthew Morris, and James Lanius. It had the voices of Jack Townsend, Helen Jacks, Killian Gilbo, Erica Durr, James Lanius, Matthew Morris, Andrew Ferrier, Jeff Quash, and High Priest Roby. Episode 3, The Case of the Identical Tentacles, was written by Andrew Ferrier and featured the voices of Jack Townsend, Erica Durr, Helen Jacks, Andrew Ferrier, James Lanius, Jeff Quash, High Priest Roby, and Matthew Morris, plus appearances by Helen Schmel and Killian Gilbo. As always, we are online at thesnakespaw.com, and you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at thesnakespaw. Best of all, we are on Ko-Fi, where you can lend a hand and help keep this show going. You can become a regular supporter or just throw in once. Either way, we'll show our appreciation by sharing some extras. That's at ko-fi.com slash thesnakespaw. Thanks for listening.